When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Follow Cobra Golf on Insta at Cobra Puma Golf AU and you could win a King 3D printed putter. Mornings on SEN. We're talking the world game, the good, and unfortunately this morning, uh, mostly the bad after what happened at Amy Park on Saturday night. Lucy Zellich, football broadcaster, join us, joins us this morning. Lucy. Morning, Jules. How are you? I'm well. Let's be positive. It's Christmas week and we want to do the glass half full stuff first. So what a final this morning. That had everything you'd want to see from a game of football, including the two standout players possibly in the world playing at their best. Is that the Where do you rate that in, in games of football, particularly big ones that you've ever seen? Probably, probably at this point, how I'm feeling, completely delirious. My son already sleeps like crap and I have to actually <laughs> sleep in the bed with him and watch the final on my phone. Can you imagine that? Because he's unwell and he already sleeps uh... terribly. But to add, to, add to all of that, the fact that I'm watching one of the best finals in World Cup history on my phone. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it. And neither could have anybody else in the fashion that Argentina won it. I mean, I put up a tweet this morning. I said, you know, fairy tales do exist. Yep. And, and in this moment in time, Jules, it really well and truly carries the weight of that. Because, uh, you know, for, for everybody, not just the Argentinians, but for everybody in the world, I felt like this was the ending that we all wanted for the World Cup, that we wanted for a player like Lionel Messi, who, you know, goat or not, I mean, I'm really exhausted from having these debates about whether or not he's the goat, because you start... Such well, a bad term, goat. It's awful, isn't it? It's a really oh. ugly thing to say. It reminds me of my teacher in primary school. He used to say, you, get it? you kids are getting on my goat. I don't know <laughs> But, you know, but the whole argument on, on whether or not it's Ronaldo or whether or not it's Messi, I'm exhausted by it. And I'll tell you why. If you go on it purely on statistics and you can say, OK, the Ronaldo scored the, the majority share of the goals, etc., blah, 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 at international level, that's fine. That's one point. But then you can go to the other side, which is, well, he's never won a World Cup. Now Messi has. And, and that also, you know, really in world football, it's the pinnacle. It's what you want. But my argument to all of it is put all of those debates aside. The fact that we've been able to say, to see, two of the greatest players in football history in the same era playing against each other. You know, it it really is just purely magical. And it's a shame that, you know, it wasn't the ending of, say, Portugal against Argentina, which I'm sure everybody really would have loved. But, you know, this was just an incredible game. Um, You know, it had absolutely everything in it. The last 10 minutes of it, when France started to weasel their way back into the game, you thought, oh, my gosh, is this going to go, you know, against Argentina now? Is Messi going to be long live not the legend, but long live the villain? Um, you know, because of how it ended and he'd lost the ball for the goal. Yep. It just, it really, it well and truly did. It had everything in it. Uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe, what an animal this guy is. 23 <laughs> years of age to be doing these things on this stage. Uh, you know, an incredible player. Uh, we, we've, we've still yet to see truly what he's capable of uh, in world football. And, and the heights that he'll reach will just be incredibly remarkable. One thing I will say about Mbappe is please get the hell out of that Farmers League. You know, we want to see you in a bigger 
League in the world, uh, either testing himself in the Premier League or, you know, at a massive club like Real Madrid, uh, you know, which he's always said that he's wanted to play for. Um, but I personally would love to see him in the Premier League to see what he could do. Just don't go to Manchester City. I mean, these guys are cleaning everybody up that's available. And I've got a theory. They're doing it not because they need it, because they don't want anyone else to have them. So... You know, but just you know, fantastic scenes. Uh, Didier Deschamps as well, you know, you know, to come up against a, a side like Argentina where the weight of the world's pressure and expectation is on a guy like Messi in Argentina to win it, uh, you know, and to be backing it up as well after already winning it in 2018. Remarkable stuff. Don't love his football as much, I will say, but, you know, a really special achievement for France, who, let's be honest, had a, a host of their key players missing um, from their starting 11 side. A lot of youngsters, you saw them stepping up for the penalties and missing themselves subsequently. Uh, you know, Coleman as well, we'd like to say, he's, he's not a goal-scoring winner, so when he missed it, you thought, oh no, is this all going to come undone? And it did for France. But, you know, that's what happens when you're missing guys like Kante, Kunku, Pogba, you know, Hernandez, who are really key figures for them as well. Uh, but, you know, it really, for me, I think it was the deserved win for Argentina. Fantastic scenes. Uh, Scaloni, their young coach, only 44 years of age. You know, we talk about the game having everything. That combination play leading up to Angel Di Maria's goal, the second goal Brilliant. that he scored. Oh, my word. I mean, you could just watch that again and again and again. Uh, really, really special stuff. So, But great game. I think we're all kind of in you know, a state of delirium after that. Not, not only because the, the, the team that everyone really wanted to win it, win it, excuse me, my French compatriots and friends. Um, but, you know. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think you're right. The majority yeah. that didn't have skin in the game were, were going for Argentina. Of course they were. Of course they were. To see him lift up the trophy, and I, I, I did cry. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I really did get quite emotional because, you know, he's the, and, and and if you've seen those photographs of the younger Lionel Messi kind of looking in closely and leaning in to look at the World Cup, and now comparatively putting you know a photo of him side by side with that of him actually holding it, and and also likening the scenes to that of when the great Diego Maradona won it and he's being lifted, um, you know, atop the players there and, and walk around the stadium, really just special stuff. It's, it's beautiful stuff and that's why we love the game. Nothing better when a final lives up to all the pre-match hype as well. Lucy, unfortunately, the weekend's been dominated on a local level from what happened at, at Amy Park on Saturday night. We heard you last week with the boys on the run home and you're really passionate about this decision uh, from the APL, which is really is pretty much separate to what happened on Saturday night. What, what was your immediate reaction when you saw it? I'm just appalled, really saddened, disgusted, ashamed, disappointed, frustrated, all of the emotions that you'd expect people in, in football to be feeling about this. And, and you know, I know for so many, you said it there, Jules, you said that this decision has to, and what, that what actually happened at the ground has to be kept separate to what occurred earlier in the week with the APL's decision to award the grand finals for the next three years in Sydney. Um, but a lot of other fans will disagree and a lot will say that ultimately this is what led to that. Well, my counter-argument and the only argument that you can say is, well, there's no excuse for that type of behaviour. We don't condone that in football. We don't allow it. We know that we see it in football, but to tarnish the, the game, the actual sport itself, with one brush and say, well, this is a football problem, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a social issue problem. That's what this is because you've got these, you know, absolute thugs, morons, imbeciles using the game and their purported love for the game uh, really as a catalyst to use 
use football as a vehicle for violence. And that's just not acceptable. That's not the type of fandom and the type of passion that we laud and that we want to see. We love the game of football and why we do so much as well and, and why it is so unique um, is, is for its tribalism and, and for those aspects and, and, and how passionate the fans are. Um, you know, it made me sad yesterday to see that there, were, there was vision and photographs of, of actual police officers for the MacArthur game taking drums off the yeah. fans. And yep. I thought, what's going on here, man? This sucks. This ain't right. Um, because this is what, you know, this is what our sport is also about. It's underpinned by, its, you know, exceptional support. And when they get the support right, a la the 60,000 people that group together across live sites around the country for the Socceroos round of 16 game against Argentina, um, you know, th- that's when you are happy to applaud it. That's when you're saying, wow, look at what look at what this sport can achieve. Look at the people that it can bring together from all walks of life, cultural backgrounds, no race, religion or anything. Sex, gender is exempt. Um, you know, everyone's welcome at the table. Look at what we can do. Um, you know, you, you, you're really astounded by it. But then equally, when something like this happens... A, you have to condemn it first and foremost, but B, you have to recognise that, that you know we, we really need to do something as a game to try and stamp this behaviour out. I know that the Premier League has gone through iterations of frustration over the years with their own fans and their own types of ultras and fan call, fan, you know, fans causing, pardon me, a lot of grief at games, but they've managed to stamp that yeah. out. So, you know, what do we as a game now do? Um, You know, I I put up a series of tweets yesterday in which I said that there there are some serious questions that need to be levelled at administration now. So what are the APL, in collaboration with Football Australia and local law enforcement, do about this? Because we've sent some kind of conflicting messages, Jules, when the fans were using flares at, you know, all of the live sites and we loved how passionate and excited they were, we were celebrating it. We loved it. You know, everyone was frothing for it, really, around the country. Media, pundits, fans, the broader public, we all loved it. But then, when you've got them using them inside a football stadium and in a negative capacity, that's when, rightfully so, we're the first to admonish it and chastise it and say this is unacceptable, to, to, to injure a player and, a, a, you know, a camera operator and a match official in their workplace is not acceptable, no excuse for it. I don't care what you say or what you think. You know, arguments about, oh, Glover threw it back at the fans. Well, why did you throw it at him in the yeah. first place, guys? 100%. Not cool, not acceptable. Um, but these are the issues that we're now having having to face as a sport. So how do we manage this going forward? Do we do what some countries, say, for example, in Canada do, where they have segregated areas where you are able to actually use fans, but you can only use them in that area, right? And if you do use them misappropriately, then you are going to face certain sanctions, bans, etc. But again, the subject of bans comes up. All right, do lifetime bans work? Well, reportedly, some of the guys that were already in this group, some of the fans in there, were already sitting yeah. on lifetime bans. So the answer is no, it doesn't. You're not going to start doing cavity searches of every single, you know, fan that's walking through the gates into a stadium. But it's obvious that, you know, that's not working either because they're smuggling them in there. I personally, it's a controversial opinion. I can cop all the hate I want for it and probably will. But look, I like a flare. When used appropriately, I love the look of it. You know, I come from a European background, you know, where it's really a part of football support and we love the imagery. We love what it represents in football, that passion, that pride. But again, equally when it's used in the wrong way and in in a negative capacity, then you've got to stamp it out. So which of the the two evils do you want to go with here? It's it's a hard one. Um, But surely, surely, Luce, the the cons outweigh the pros when it comes to flares in in Australia with with what we've seen. And And you can still have a great atmosphere at a game of football in this country without flares. 
You can, but I think what we have to do is that we have to reach a, a middle ground with our supporters now. We have to sit down with all of the supporter groups, as we have had to do multiple times over the years now, um, and, and really say to them, how do, we, how do we achieve an outcome that's going to satisfy you guys, that's going to satisfy law enforcement, that's going to satisfy security and everybody at the ground, the players, the club, etc.? How do we reach that common ground now? And I think those conversations need to happen. The fan bases need to be respected, the ones that are the good fans, the ones that want to be there and support in the right way um, and, 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 and allow their voices to be heard. This is what happens also when you don't have an independent board, right? When you're relying on the APL to manage these decisions without arrogance, without egoism and without thinking that, well, you know what, we're the ones plugging all the money into the game, so we're the ones that get the say. I agree with that. And unfortunately, a lot of these clubs are having to suffer every season, feeling like they're losing millions of dollars, reporting losses of millions of dollars every season season. We know they need money. We know that this decision that got made regarding the grand finals was about an economical decision to try and secure the future of the sport. But ultimately, there had to be other ways to do this. There had to be ways in which we could achieve this without upsetting the players and without upsetting the fans. Two of the game's greatest key stakeholders, right? And ultimately, one other thing that I'll say about it is that the issues that we're seeing in the game right now, these don't just stem back to a week ago. We're looking at a very fractured sport from the administrative level that has been occurring for for decades, really. Uh, And I I think this is something that they really need to address. The fact that the APL only released a statement yesterday afternoon on this, come on, guys, you've got to be better as a Mm. sport. You know, go and pay a public relations officer, for God's sake. Give me a ring. I'll help you write a damn press release. Like, I'm unemployed at the moment. I'm happy to do it. But there has to be an understanding of how this is all appearing at the public relations and at the, the, the communicative level and what it looks like from the fans' perspective um, and also to the broader public about this. Um, you know, they've really got an image crisis on their hands, but this is all salvageable. That's also something that we need to remember. A lot of people are saying, Jules, oh, the game is dead, you know, that's it, death to the A-League, all this kind of stuff, which is really that, you know, I've been called OTT in my time, but that's OTT, mm. right? Saying that the league's going to die, that no, the game's that's basically on its knees, it's on its way out. Yeah, we're on our knees, but we can get the hell back up. But we just need the right people at the governance level involved and for everyone to work collectively in this effort to improve the game, to achieve redemption and to really put us on that level that we've all been aiming for all these years, Jules, which is to reach our full potential and to be the best that we can be as a sport. Forget the other codes. Forget what everyone else is doing. We need to clean up football internally first and then we can start to talk about where we're at as a game in comparison to everyone else. Uh, Luce, there's so many strands to all this. We could talk about it uh, all day. Sadly, time is uh, caught up with us. Thanks so much for jumping on again and uh, I hope the, the youngster gives you a better night's sleep tonight. Oh, well, he's no son of mine because he's been terrible throughout the World Cup, so it's obvious. I've got to, I've got to take him back to the hospital and figure out what's going on. <laughs> Lo- loan him out for 12 months and bring him back. Uh, Luz, thanks so much for your time again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. Let's get uh, to the newsroom with Vanessa. That's ridiculous time management on my behalf.